Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, researchers Alan Toomey and Nikki Byrne give insight into the Dairy Beef Index, the economic benefits for both dairy and beef farmers and the scope for greater use of the index in dairy herds. So the Dairy Beef Index, or also known as the DBI, um, was published in 2019. Um, this index was developed to identify beef males suitable for dairy cows, which were easy calving and short gestation, but also good for carcass traits to, to, to provide superior calves to the beef industry. So this was made up similarly to the EBI, which included traits that were based on economic importance for both the beef and the dairy industry. And there's approximately about 50% of the traits um, for dairy farmers and 50% of the traits are for beef farmers. And these traits for dairy farmers include calving ease, gestation length and mortality. And then for the beef farmer, there's traits such as um, carcass weight, carcass conformation, and then docility and feed intake. Looking then, um, Alan, to um, usage on farms, you mentioned that it it begun on farm in 2019. Um, have you have you seen evidence of the usage of the DBI bulls increasing over time? So yes, uh, we have. So it is a relatively new index, as we all know, and it takes time for people to dip, uh, adopt um, new things. But we have seen that this spring, um, bulls were 16 euro higher in the DBI compared to, we'll say, the spring of 2018, which was the year before the introduction of the dairy beef index. I suppose what this means is this 16 euro increase means is that progeny from beef bulls this year are going to leave 16 euro more, each calf is going to leave 16 euro more value to both the dairy and the beef industry. And to you, Nikki, why is it important that we would place emphasis on high quality beef um, when we're producing non-replacement dairy stock? Yeah, so it is of fundamental importance that we focus on, on improving the, the quality of the beef animals coming from the dairy herd. And one of the main reasons is because we've seen an increase uh, in the proportion of animals of dairy or- origin that have been uh, slaughtered through Irish meat plants. And currently that number is at about 57% of total cattle processed are of dairy origin. And if we look back to quarter times, I suppose pre-2015, you know, we would have saw that suckler animals uh, predominated the market, uh, equating to over 50% of the national kill. So that has changed somewhat over the last number of years. And I suppose on the back of that increased uh, dairy influence, we have seen a, a reduction in carcass confirmation. And ultimately that has led to a higher percentage of uh, dairy beef animals uh, failing to meet minimum carcass specifications for carcass confirmation. And that is a serious price implication uh, on, on, on the value of that overall carcass. And if we consider what we've heard from Alan in relation to DBI usage, it has increased, uh, albeit it's in its early stages and infancy. In your opinion, um, Nikki, what percentage of dairy herds could be targeted for use with DBI sires during the breeding season? Well, if we look at the current figures, we know that about 50% of dairy cow calf registrations are to a beef sire. 
and we know that this has significant scope to increase uh, going forward. And I suppose what will allow us to increase the proportion of beef calves coming from the dairy herd will be improving fertility of the dairy herd. And so we have a good opportunity now that maybe herds aren't expanding at the same rate as what they were uh, post-quota, uh, that we can you know, focus on increasing the amount of beef usage on the dairy herds. And so we've improved technologies as well that can be used on that more fertile herd, such as sex semen. And I suppose where that is used effectively on the right herds, you know, we know that we can increase the amount of beef calves registered in that herd up to 70% of the total calvings across the herd. So there is significant scope there to increase the number of beef calves. And in doing that, you probably increase the selection intensity in, in your dairy breeding program. and probably create a better herd of cows uh, going forward. So beef really does have a role to play in, in terms of improving your farm efficiency, the quality of your herd, um, as well as maintaining the credentials of Irish dairy production and also producing a high quality product to further improve our, our beef industry. And dairy beef, you know, it, is, it can be a very, very high quality product. Uh, typically, we, we're capable of producing dairy beef animals from our dairy herd that are suited to grass-based systems, and that can produce an on-spec carcass at probably uh, younger uh, ages of slaughter due to their ability to, to, to mature at earlier ages. And to you, Alan, the biggest concern I would hear from dairy farmers, you know, are will calving, um, will calving difficulty increase if I use the DBI or is there a situation where the calving interval on farm is going to increase when I'm using my DBI bull as opposed to using the, you know, the conventional and the norm of an EBI bull? Um, to you, you know, if we could look in real terms, um, do you see an increase in calving difficulty in cows that have calved down using a DBI sire um, relative to the EBI? So, yes, um, that would be a concern, um, but I suppose on average, it is relatively small. So, yes, majority of beef bulls will provide a slightly harder calving and a longer gestation than your EBI bulls. But I suppose the DBI, as I said, includes calving difficulty and gestation length, and there is a large emphasis on selecting those uh, beef sires. And I suppose we can see that in studies that we've done, that on average, that a high DB in the DBI bulls are only a half a percentage higher calving difficulty than your ordinary, um, we'll say, your average Holstein Friesian bull, and three days longer in gestation length. And I suppose this would be relatively small for the extra benefit that you'd be getting for your beef calf. So you'd be getting a higher value for your calf. And also that calf will be a superior value to the beef farmer. And therefore, it'll be easier to be, to um, have more saleable calves in future years because those farmers will come back year on year for those beef calves. And that half a percent in terms of calving difficulty, did that follow on, you know, in terms of registration? Was there an increase in the level of assistance required for those calves or was it similar to what you would expect in a normal year? Let's say... On on average, um, you that's kind of what you would get from a beef bull over your um, 
dairy, uh, your dairy bull will say. So we'll say when you, we compared high dairy beef index sires compared to, we'll say, your standard beef bulls that were previously used. And these beef bulls were just solely focused on calving and gestation. And we saw between these two bulls that there was a one percentage unit difference in calving, dif calving difficulty and one day different in gestation length. So yes, there is a small increase in your calving traits for your dairy beef index bulls relative to, we'll say, your previously beef bulls been using dairy herds that were selected solely based on calving and gestation length. But again, this difference is really small in the larger scheme. And I suppose I'd also like to add there, and while I'd be kind of advising to, uh, to dairy farmers that are kind of concerned about the calving difficulty is that all these bulls have a calving difficulty figure available to them. So if they, and I know farmers have this threshold, whether it's 4% or 5%, that they can pick within that threshold. And then let's say if they pick within a 4% threshold, that within that 4% threshold on their calving difficulty figure, try to aim to select the higher DBI bulls. So you'll get a very similar, you'll get no difference in calving difficulty, but the calf will have superior beef um, merit rather than bulls with a lower DBI at the same calving difficulty. And then from the perspective of the beef producer, Alan, what are the measured benefits that you would see from the beef side of things in relation to carcass weight and carcass confirmation? So I, as Nikki had already said, was these superior genetic calves are a high value to the beef industry. So I suppose that beef farming is generally a small margin. And that the extra little performance that they're getting from these uh, improvements in genetics is really increasing the sustainability of their system. And I suppose what we've seen here compared to your average um, EBI sire, compared to your uh, top DBI sire, calves are, are these progeny will get into um, carcass weights with um, almost 10 kilos heavier and uh, two grades higher in confirmation score and almost 40% more animals reaching the spe specification as Nikki has said. And these little metrics may all seem small, but these are a huge value to the beef farmer um, for, every for every, each in um, individual animal that they take to slaughter. I guess from the perspective, when we talk about beef producers, would this include dairy farmers, Alan, you know, or is this just, um, you know, a, a, a beef benefit? Uh, no, um, looking at the national data set that we can see there, there is um, many dairy farmers actually carry their own um, non-replacement stock uh, to slaughter. Um, approximately 13% of dairy herds are finishing their own um, majority of their own beef cattle. So there's a huge benefit in those farmers also using uh, the dairy beef index because they're actually getting the increased value of the beef merit at the other side. And to you, Nikki, you're working with a cohort of these non-replacement calves, um, you know, with your research at Chagas Grange. Can you briefly give us some insight into the groups of animals that you're working with? Yeah, so I suppose we're looking at... Um, high EBI Holstein Frisians, and I suppose we're comparing those high EBI Holstein Frisian genetics to our Aberdeen Angus genetics that we've identified to be of high and of low uh, carcass merit in terms of weight and confirmation. But the Anguses that we looked at, you know, they were 
the most commercially relevant Angus's that were used extensively uh, across the Irish dairy herd. So they did offer your easy calving uh, and short gestation lints, and we picked the most divergent animals within that cohort um, in terms of carcass weight and conformation. And then we assembled those and assigned them to their own systems and look at their overall uh, contribution to farm system performance uh, as a result of their differing uh, genetic uh, abilities. And I suppose, probably as we'd expect nearly, we didn't see massive difference between the two Angus groups. Uh, we did see a five kilo advantage for the higher merit Angus uh, and a, a slight increase in the carcass conformation of those. Uh, and that ultimately led to you know, higher overall system performance and a higher carcass value. Uh, but I suppose the main differences that we do see is when we compare our Anguses to our Holstein Frisians. Uh, and I suppose we achieve similar levels of carcass performance, 300 to 305 kilo uh, carcass between our Frisians and our, our Anguses. But I suppose the efficiencies of that production is where they do differ. And we saw that although they achieved similar carcass weight, our Anguses were one to two confirmation scores higher than our Holstein Frisians. Uh, and that obviously led to a higher value per kilo of beef produced. But most importantly, we found that our Aberdeen Angus animals produced in the same type of production systems could be killed one month younger. Uh, and we achieved a lifetime uh, forage input in those animals of 87% of their total lifetime feed requirements came from a forage source, be it grazed grass or, or conserved grass silage. And we only had to supplement those animals with less than 550 kilos of concentrate from birth right through to slaughter to produce that 300 kilo carcass at grading O equals. So really those Anguses do show us what the potential is from the system. And because of that lower age at slaughter, it has serious implications on, on the farm system. And it resulted in a overall lower stocking rate. And that you know, could mean that we could carry more animals on that system, or we could have a, a lower environmental impact as a result of that, that difference in, in genetics. Uh, with the Holstein Frisians, the main area of, of concern is the carcass conformation. So we're producing low value beef. We might produce the same quantity of beef, but it's of a significantly lower value than that of our beef animals. And when we look at, you know, combined approach, looking at the difference in carcass value of the animals that, that we compared and the differences in feed costs of the systems, our Angus animals across both uh, groups that we assessed were probably worth 150 to 160 euros more per head than our Holstein Frisian animals. So that is the challenge that, 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 that we must take up is to try and convert our low value uh, dairy males into beef cross animals, be it uh, continental breeds or Aberdeen Angus and try and add more value to that animal. And I suppose from recent uh, research conducted by the Department of Agriculture, looking at the, the attitudes of, of um, beef farmers in terms of dairy beef production. And, you know, that would have uh, shown that there was a strong preference out there for farmers to purchase, you know, a beef sired calf, uh, be it Aberdeen Angus or Limousine. They were some of the most popular breeds, you know, with a much higher preference than purebred dairy males. So I think if we can convert our low-value pure dairy males into beef animals, it'll be of worth significantly more 
to the wider industry. And it'll also help increase demand for calves and get calves moving off farm at, at an earlier stage and, and more reliably uh, year on year. And I guess, you know, the, the, the big figure that sticks out to me, um, you know, when you culminate the the comparisons and, and the benefits um, that you have observed within the Aberdeen Angus uh, group, you know, it's at 150 or 160 euro per head. Like that has a massive implication for overall profitability of these um, these beef systems. And, and to you, Alan, um, from a national on-farm data perspective, um, ye have seen benefits um, of using, you know, higher DBI uh, bulls. Um, you know, Nikki has observed it in a research setting at Chagas Grange. Um, you know, we see that the DBI can benefit beef farmers with a minimal impact on dairy farmers. You know, when when we think about different, um, you know, I suppose different aspects of systems, um, you know, you can say management has a huge impact. To you, um, from from a dairy beef perspective, how much can genetics account for the benefits that you're seeing? So I suppose the benefits that we're seeing and what Nikki has described up in Grange is actually purely genetics. Is All those benefits are due to genetics because management has been equal. So in the national data set, when we compared, we're comparing um, animals within a similar management and also, as Nikki is, he's comparing animals managed in the same um, system. So therefore, all the benefits that we've shown here are, are purely down to genetics and improving on higher DBI SARS. And finally then, Alan, you know, we're looking to the future and future-proofing systems and the sustainability of both dairy and in this conversation, beef farming. Um, looking to the future of the DBI do you see the traits that you mentioned earlier as how the DBI will look in the future or are there new traits that ye, uh, ye are considering for addition to the DBI or ones that you plan to look at in the future? So yes, uh, very similar to the EBI. The DBI will evolve over time with new traits coming on and I suppose the next big trait that will be is that age of slaughter and uh, Nikki has already mentioned on how important that is at, at farm level. And I suppose age of slaughter is one trait that's really important at farm level. So there's less days of feed, but also will be really important going forward for our, um, cli- our climate action plan. So the less animals, um, um, our lower age of slaughter animals have a lower environmental impact. So the first um, national evaluation for age of slaughter has been um, um, done and this is currently um, being introduced into the ICBF pipeline and should be published and be available to farmers in the near future. I suppose other traits that we see coming down the line would be, and it's already uh, available as a single uh, trait, is meat quality. And then we can see, as I mentioned, the climate is methane and there's uh, work going on in Moor Park with um, green feed machines and that and in Tully and in Grange this data has been collected on how much um, individual animals are emitting of methane and in the future we could see a trait where animals will be uh, selected based on animals with a lower methane output for the same meat um, milk yield or even the same meat yield that they'd have a lower 
methane production. This has been a really interesting conversation. Um, I, I think the scope for the DBI and the use of the DBI has huge potential on dairy farms. As you pointed out, um, uh, Nikki, that, you know, 70 percent of our dairy cows have the potential for a beef sire, particularly with improved fertility and reproductive performance on farms. You know, all equally pointing out, um, you know, uh, to you, Alan, pointing out the saleability of higher DBI animals and their ability to command a higher price for dairy farms and not not forgetting the point that, you know, a good percentage of dairy farms are retaining um, beef calves on farm uh, above 12 months and, and also um, 13% to slaughter. So there's a significant role for DBI and, and people can be more proactive in its use to increase farm profitability on a dairy farm and also then looking to the beef farm. Uh, thank you, Alan, and thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Louise. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Alan Toomey and Nikki Byrne for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify and for more information go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.